Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online. Hello, balcony. Good to see you all. Amen. Hey, we're in a part two in a, a series on our worship life. Uh, as we just saw in the little promo there, uh, last week Pastor Gabrielle kicked us off uh, talking about the power of worship. And uh, this morning I have uh, just what I feel is uh, just the absolute honor uh, to share on the heart of worship. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to actually look at a scripture that uh, Pastor Gab, as she was wrapping the message up last week, she referred to uh, the woman who brought the jar of perfume and broke it at Jesus' feet. We're going to kind of pick up with that verse and share some things about the heart of worship today. Um, but as we do and as we get into it, you know, just, just want us to, as we talk about this, this word worship, you know, oftentimes when we, you know, if we were just basically to answer the question, what is worship? You know, we probably would lean into something like, oh, well, you know, when we're at church and the musicians are leading us and we're singing songs, that's, that's worship. That's the worship time. And uh, although that's true, uh, that is certainly not the complete picture of what worship is. Uh, actually, Pastor Ralph made mention when he said our giving is worship. Uh, you know, when we read scripture together, when we sit under the preaching of the word, uh, when we take communion, like happened last week. Uh, but even that, that's not a comprehensive picture of what worship is. We could get into really all of the preparations are worship. But then when we look at everything that gets ready for a Sunday morning, that doesn't really encompass what worship is because it's far more than that. Amen? It's meant to be something that really just, just encompasses all of our lives. Uh, God has built us, God has designed us to be worshipers. We were built to worship. How many know that's true? We're built to worship as human beings and we worship around the clock daily. Uh, we worship with different, uh, differing levels. And when I say we, I'm talking about humanity. Uh, things, places, people, relationships, there's all kinds of things that we as human beings uh, can worship. Some are worshipers of their job. Some worship their car or their money. You know, we talk about this on the pastoral staff. We never want to get to the point where we make an idol out of the ministry that we serve in. We want to make sure that the Lord stays the object of our worship. So because we are built to worship, this topic of heart of worship uh, is, is not only an extremely important topic, it's one that uh, does us well to go back to with great regularity. Because uh, when we read the Bible really from cover to cover, if we were to boil it all down, it comes down to uh, worship, worship that's on track, worship that gets off track, getting worship on track, Navigating, not getting off track. I mean, even when we get to the very last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is saying uh, to one of the churches, he's saying, uh, you've lost your first love. Get your worship back on track. So, you know, we could really say from looking at it from, from this lens, worship is all throughout the word of God. It is the very heart of what is it to be a Christian. And, and, and I'm even just, just spelling it out here for today. It's really at the heart of what it is to be a human being. 
because we're made in the image of God and he has designed us to, to worship him. So again, if you're following along in your notes, uh, just, just again, to drive this home a little further, let's talk a little more about, so what is worship? And again, this is looking from sort of, you know, Webster's uh, online definition, but just three thoughts that I wanted to get out there. And then we'll get to this, this story of the, the woman who shows up and brings the jar of perfume uh, at that dinner where Jesus was. Uh, so, so the simplest definition of, of worship extravagant respect or admiration for uh, or devotion to an object of esteem. So again, just lean into the idea of it's, it's respect, it's admiration. Uh, but, but it's also, it's more than that. And the second thought to regard with ardent or adoring esteem. Those are strong words, ardent, adoring esteem or devotion. And then the third uh, definition here, the reverent love. Now we got this picture of love and devotion accorded to a deity, an idol, or a sacred object. So you pull that all together and it kind of looks at the different facets of uh, whether good or bad, right or wrong in God's eyes, how worship can be expressed. But we see some words that begin to paint a picture. You know, when we look at love, devotion, ardent, adoring, admiration, respect, esteem, all of these things paint a picture for us. So let's take a look now in Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 36 to 50. And again, the scenario, actually, why don't we just go ahead and read it out, and then we'll make some comments, uh, starting with, with verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, in other words, in his mind, right? If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Notice Jesus is just about to show he is a prophet, and more than that, because he reads his mail on what he was just thinking in his mind, right? Jesus answers him. I love that. He thinks it, and Jesus answered. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, the Pharisee said. And Jesus goes on, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So 550. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? <laughs> like, of course he saw this woman. He's thinking all these derogatory things, right? Do you see this woman? He's about to give an object, uh, illustrated sermon. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who 
uh, even forgive sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Wow, what a, this, there's so much in this story here. But so, so the customs of the day, we need to first understand, you know, the picture of what we're, we're stepping into when we're reading this. You know, the custom of the day is when you were hosting somebody, somebody that you esteemed, somebody that was important, uh, that you wanted to show respect to, there were certain things that you would do when they showed up at your door. You would greet them with a kiss. That was part of the culture. You would wash the feet of your guests. Remember, it's dirty, dusty roads that people were walking in in sandals. They were also sharing these roads with, with uh, you know, mules and beasts of burden. And so there were other things that were dropped along the road as well. So it wasn't exactly the, you know, the, the most sanitary uh, of, of feet when you walked into a home. And so a way of showing respect is you would wash the feet of your guest, or if you were of high stature, you would have a servant wash the feet of your guest. And then they, they would also have the opportunity to anoint their, the head of their guest with perfumed oil. So Jesus acknowledges, hey, Simon, Pharisee, professional religious leader, you didn't do any of these things. You treated me as completely ordinary. This woman came in with an entirely opposite picture, uh, treated me totally different. And so, you know, we, we need to get, get, you know, our minds around the idea. This, this is a sinful woman in her culture. She's ostracized. There, there are sinners who are professional, really good at their sin, walking down the street, and they're ostracizing her. You know, saying at least I'm not like her, right? So there's, there's quite, a, quite a dramatic uh, story and illustration that's being laid out here. But I, let's acknowledge her desire to see and worship Jesus overshadowed any concern or anxiety or fear that she had. I mean, it was, I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to give him the worship that's due him. Simon is a high-class sinner, uh, and, and he had the same problem as this low-class prostitute. Uh, it was only really a matter of degrees. The woman owed the greater debt, but they both owed a debt they couldn't pay. She knew it. He didn't. Right, so the, the story continues to unfold. Now, as we talk about the heart of worship, we can learn from this woman. And uh, uh, just because it's fun to, uh, you know, uh, have things that are uh, spelt acrostically, I'm going to take the word heart, H-E-A-R-T, and just lay out a couple of key ingredients for us to uh, stay with a, a right heart of worship. Amen. And then from that, uh, I just want to wrap us up talking about uh, worshiping in spirit and in truth. All right, so we'll look at the heart of worship and then wrap up worshiping in spirit and in truth. All right, so let's take H. The H in heart uh, that we glean from this, this woman in this story here is humility. So, you, you know, the first thing is we cannot approach the Lord in any kind of self-pride. Uh, we can't approach the Lord in any kind of sense of self-achievement. Right, we approach him in humility. We approach him in complete surrender. And, and you know, here it is. She knew she would be criticized and scorned by a room full of religious leaders. What I said earlier, you know, if, if the population in general was, was, you know, helping foster this woman feeling marginalized, now the professional religious leaders treat this woman in a way like, you are so far from God 
and, and even to a point, and, and, and realistically, there is no hope for you. You know, they, they might not have, have said that verbally, but the way she was treated. So just imagine the intimidation in the natural that she might have felt wanting to step into this room, but she didn't care about her own reputation. In fact, she focused on Jesus so completely that she almost seems unaware that there's all these other dinner guests in the room. You know, and she just gets before him with a great humility. Meanwhile, Simon, uh, he's condemning the woman's behavior, right? It, it's the entire opposite of, of a heart of humility. And, you know, Jesus loves the Pharisee. Jesus loves the prideful, arrogant guy here because he uses this woman as an illustration to try to point out, hey, Simon, you're being religious, but you're miles and miles away from the heart of God doesn't say whether or not it got through. It doesn't seem to have gotten through in this moment, but we don't know. Maybe he's one of the ones that, you know, surrendered his heart to the Lord. But in this moment, we just see such a picture of pride. Simon treats Jesus like a run-of-the-mill dinner guest. She treats him with just extravagance. And there's a clear lesson here. Pride is the primary hindrance to worship. If we want to look at the heart of worship, we need to realize that pride is going to be our primary hindrance. Uh, pride will cause us to be consumed with thoughts of self rather than our thoughts focused on him. Right? So, you know, again, we're talking about a lifestyle of worship, but certainly that can translate back into uh, when we gather together corporately like we did today. You know, if we want to have a true heart of worship, we have to uh, ha have a humility uh, in our heart. All right, then, then the second uh, ingredient that we see here, and, and I want to explain this one because I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here, but if we're going to take H-E-A-R-T, H is humility, E is emotion. And, and I don't want you to hear emotionalism. Amen? You know, I'm not saying that if we're truly worshiping, we have to um, feign some kind of external expression in order to, uh, to be really worshiping. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's not worshiping in, in truth, is it? Right? If we're feigning something. But here's the thing, when I'm talking about emotion, worship is not an intellectual exercise. It includes our intellect and our mind and, and, and all of that, but it's a heart exercise. So, so uh, uh, the heart of worship is where we come with our, ourselves humbled before him, bowing our hearts before him and then engaging our heart, whatever it looks like. You know, so, so really for us to gauge, because remember, we kind of started talking about this this morning, you know, maintaining a heart of worship is something that we have to do with great intentionality. You know, thinking about emotion, you know, I, I, I've shared at different times when I first met my wife, the very first time when I met her, uh, I, I can remember my, my hands being sweaty, you know, and, and, and my heart pounding and my throat getting dry. You know, kind of a thing, you know, but then, you know, here we are, you know, decades later of, of you know, marriage and spending our life together. Wouldn't it kind of cheapen it if, if I said we were still at the point where my hands were sweaty? If I said to you, my hands do not get sweaty when my wife walks in the room, you would not say, well, you better get your act together and get your heart right. 
you know, because the love has matured and grown over these years. There's a delight when she comes in the room and, and there's an experience of life together that puts that relationship, come on, how many know what I'm talking about, in a category different than any other because like you've done life together and the valleys and the mountains and all of that and there's something that gets forged in that. So, so when we talk about heart engagement and emotion, if we've been with the Lord for years, it might not necessarily look exactly the same way, but we see in our world all around us that human beings tend to uh, dissolve relationships rather than foster them to go the long haul, right? So when we look at the heart of worship, it's to keep our heart worshipful as we live life with him through every season, through every mountain, through every valley, through every uh, beautiful, clear, understood uh, life circumstance and through every one that has a scratching our head saying, I don't know that I entirely get this. But we walk through together with him and our heart is engaged. Lord, you have my heart. Lord, you've still got my heart, right? And, and that means we got to keep this place of humility. We got to keep this place of intentionally engaging him. That, that was the Lord, again, uh, in, in Revelation there. Hey, you're doing all this stuff, but you've disengaged your heart. And in that circumstance, he says, go back and do the first things that you did. What, what he's really saying there is get, get your heart back in it. Otherwise... Oh, otherwise it's not good. Otherwise it's religion. The form of godliness with no power, right? So the heart of worship, humility, emotion. And again, we see this in her. She's just broken. She just falls at his feet. She's weeping. She's, she's so, so uh, in adoration, and that's our next one, that's A. She's adoring the Lord. She's, she's just blessing and honoring and esteeming him. And she, she gives her, her, her adoration, and, and Jesus, you know, makes the contrast. You know, I, she, you know, washed my feet, gave me the kisses I didn't get at the door, and anointed me uh, with, with perfumed oil, none of which you did, Simon, when I walked in as supposedly your honored guest. You know, uh, so, so you, you know, this picture of adoration is so beautifully laid out for us. And again, I, I want to, what am I saying? What am I not saying? We all have different personalities. What it looks like to engage our heart and to uh, adore the Lord might look very different from one seat to the next. Amen? So it's not our job to look at somebody else and say, hey, they're worshiping, they're not, they're worshipful, they're not, because we really don't know. Somebody could be crying their eyes out next to somebody who's standing there as stoic as can be, and both could just be full throttle heart, full engaged with the Lord, right? What we want to ask ourselves is, are we giving ourselves a pass whenever we have those moments where I've had this happen where I'm thinking, I just want to jump right now. I'm just getting so uh, caught up in worship and so, so excited over the Lord. I just want to jump. And sometimes I don't. That's, that's me holding back on engaging myself. <laughs> there are times where I'm like, man, I just want to take off running. You, you know, and, and now I, I'm not as engaged. When I stop myself from doing what 
wants to rise up as an expression of worship, I'm holding back, giving him my full heart. Right? Amen? Come on, did you all catch that? So, so does that mean in order to give your full heart, you got to walk in and run and jump? No, because if you're doing that and your heart isn't engaged, it doesn't really do anything but make your armpits sweaty and make you out of breath, right? You know, it's, it's all got to be what, what, what is an expression coming out of our heart. And again, that's all going to look different. But I will give a challenge. Church, let's keep working to make this sanctuary a place where nobody feels intimidated to just give uninhibited, extravagant worship to our God. Amen? Amen? And that looks like all kind of things. Like I said, somebody could be just standing there and inside it's like is going off because God is doing great things. But we read all over the word. People raise their hands. People sing. People shout. Uh, people will um, uh, prostrate, yes, themselves. Sometimes it's good to pause, right? Sometimes people will bow on their knees. Sometimes people will jump. Sometimes people will dance. There's all kinds of different ways. And, and you know what? There are sometimes where there's moments where to be in unity of what the Spirit is doing corporately, we lift up a shout. And then there's, so, so in that moment, regardless of my personality, I want to get in on the shout. You know, then there's other times where the Lord is just bringing a stillness and a hush. Like, like, uh, like, point uh, back toward the tail end of worship time, when it kind of settles down quietly, like I'm, I'm imitating Monica there, <laughs> you know, just that's, we're listening. That's, Lord, is there anything else you want to say? Or is there anything you're wanting to do here this morning? We just want to make sure that, that we're engaged. Lord, our hearts are engaged. Our ears are turned to you. Our eyes are on you. Can you say Amen. And, and Lord, we're pouring out our adoration to you. So the thing is, when, when we're focused on adoring him, then we're not going to be as worried what anybody might be uh, thinking about what we're doing. You know, and um, spirit of religion will make us more and more uncomfortable with people being extravagant in their worship. Like I remember, I, I, I came from a just a... I'm not trying to talk ugly. It just is what it is. I came from a very stuffy religious background. I mean, in fact, what we did is, uh, you know, the times I was in church, you know, we just white knuckled the pew in front of us. And I'll, I'll never forget the one time there was a fella I didn't recognize, but there's a fella a couple seats up over this way. And uh, in that room, he just stood there and he went like this. And you ever, ever see like on TV or in a movie where they scratch the record and that means like everything stops and halts, you know, like, zzz, you know, that's, I mean, what's the guy? You talk about not having our eyes in the right place. You talk about a spirit of religion. The guy went like this and in my own stinky, smelly, religious attitude, I was like white knuckling. I was like, oh, freak, you know, not out loud, just, just in my own, like Simon did. If Jesus was standing there. He would probably turn and say, now, Jim. This guy over here wanted to lift his hands because his heart is engaged, right? I didn't know. I wasn't even saved. I was going to church. I didn't know the Lord. But I do remember the first time I was in a meeting and just, just the presence of God's sweet Holy Spirit became so real. And I started feeling myself getting choked up. And I'm like, I'm about to lose it. 
And I'm thinking, I can't do that, you know. And God uh, just kind of swallowed up any concern I had for what was going on around me. And that turned into tears and then just like ugly crying, you know. Only for me to realize nobody around me cared because everybody else was worshiping God too. Amen. You know, so adoration is, Lord, my eyes are on you. And then we just let our ministry to the Lord happen. This is in our private life. This is in our day-to-day as we're living. And, and just for, for those couple of moments there is tying it into, uh, you know, when we're here corporately. Now, R in H-E-A-R-T, how are we doing? Everybody tracking? Amen? R is repentance. And, you, you know... I love even in the, the music selection this morning that, you know, we're singing uh, words of repentance. Um, I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions, when I've just sang another song, when I've forgotten who you are. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I, I turn away from that. And, you know, we read in Scripture every time somebody has a fresh or deeper encounter with the Lord, the fruit of that is repentance. So repentance is one of those Bible religion words. What it really means isn't just sorrow. It means I agree with you. The way I was thinking was wrong. And now I'm moving in agreement with what you say about how it is. And then because there's a heart that's soft, oftentimes then there's a, there's a, a sorrow. Oh, Lord, I, I didn't want to miss you. Lord, I don't want to be off track. Or, Lord, I didn't realize this was hurtful to somebody. And now I see it. And God, I'm sorry. I repent. I turn away from that. Right? So when we get into, you, you know, worship, the heart of worship is going to bring us into repentance because the Lord is continuing to shape us and mold us to look, to conform us into the image of his son, that people would say, ah, what is it about you? I've been with Jesus, and Jesus is working his way out in my life. Amen? All right, let's go uh, over now. Uh, this idea of repentance, again, we see this uh, with, with the woman in this story, so much so that Jesus says, not only am I going to give the Pharisees uh, a lesson here on what worship looks like, but I'm going to give them a lesson on who it is that's sitting and dining with them. Because he turns and says, daughter, your sins are forgiven you. Because they all know it's only God who can forgive sins. And so he's showing them, here's the picture, God is here, right in front of them. And in their religiosity, they missed him. You know, but here it is, just this, this picture of beautiful surrender and now, uh, and, and repentance. John 4, 23, we're going to look at this verse in just a minute, but it says that, you know, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> That's exactly what this woman is doing. She knows who she is. She knows what she's done. She knows what the sin is. She's not hiding any of it. But in light of that, she also comes knowing the truth of who he is and surrenders herself to him. And then uh, the picture, the person who is forgiven much loves much because she knows, yes, the truth is that she uh, is steeped in sin and needs a savior. And that is, in fact, who the Lord is. And he says, you can go in peace, daughter. Your faith, you know, has saved you. What, what the Pharisee didn't realize is that he was a sinner as well, right? He was a sinner as well, and he didn't catch the picture that he needed forgiveness because of the pride that was blinding his life. All right, so last, last thought here on, so uh, 
humility, uh, emotion or engagement of the heart, however we want to put that, adoration, repentance, and then the last one here is thanksgiving. And, and there's so much gratitude that's spilling out in her emotion, in her adoration, in her humility. But let's go back to the jar for a second. This is, this is livelihood for her. This is security for her. This is, uh, this is uh, something of great financial substance that she brings to break open and pour onto Jesus' feet. And I think part of the, the illustration we need to understand here is, you know, heart worship, when we say, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, the cross before me, the world behind me, Lord, you have my heart, I'm walking with you, there will be a cost. And the thing that we are to do in the face of that cost is to continue to express gratitude for who he is and for what he's done. Now, when I say there's a cost in this particular illustration, it's, it's, ta it's talking about something financial, but the cost could be dying to uh, things that we want and trusting that God's way is better than what we want. That cost could be, all right, here's something else competing for the throne of my heart. I'm casting that other thing off so that the Lord uh, can reign supreme in my life, right? There, there's, there's a thankfulness that we need to live in all of the time. Now, now let me just comment as we look at these H-E-A-R-T, these different areas here. If, if we want to keep an eye on our lives as we're walking with the Lord, whether or not we're staying on track with Him, these are great uh, barometers to look at to tell just where things are, are at. You, you know, if I'll find in my own life, if I'm too absorbed in my circumstances, if I'm paying too much attention to the news, if I'm paying too much attention to negative and grumbly that's out there, if I'm not careful, anybody else beside me, you start to lose your thankfulness, right? That, that's an indicator, wait a minute, all right, I'm starting to slip a little bit on my heart of worship. Uh, how about the humility side? Here's an easy one for all of us. The minute we start looking down our nose at somebody else, we have to watch that pride is starting to creep in. It's just one of, you know, pride works in the blind spot. It's hard to see, but that is a really, really uh, right in front of us indicator. Wait a minute, I've, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting off track here. You know, when we look at where our adoration is going, if, if stuff for God becomes autopilot and routine and chore, those are, those are signals. If we look and we, we say, hey, honest in my heart of hearts, what am I adoring right now? And that, that's where I speak of, you know, going back to the idea of cost. You know, for us to go long haul with God, sometimes we got to pay some prices. You know, we start to recognize, hey, my heart's cooling off. What's the response? I'm, I'm pushing everything else aside and I'm getting my eyes back on the Lord. Amen? I remember a, a mentor in my life early on saying, hey, in ministry, you're going to be, uh, you're going to have this temptation to think that because you're doing God stuff all the time, that it's going to keep your heart on track with God. And you can lose your way, you can lose your soul doing God stuff. Enter Simon the Pharisee, right? She said, the way that you guard against that, I've, I, this just so bears repeating, I know I've said this before, I, I remember the Lord so 
accenting the word ferocious. This person said, you need to fight ferociously to keep him number one in your life every day. I remember like, walking away, it was, it was part of like a, uh, like a retreat weekend. And so I heard like hours and hours and hours of, you know, uh, just preaching and teaching and all this stuff. And the greatest point from that weekend for me was uh, you need to live in a way where you fight ferociously against all the stuff that would push in to keep him front and center, number one in, in your life. That, that, that was good input. Amen from, from, yeah, thank God for mentors and godly voices, right? So, all right, we were talking about all of these, uh, these different points and ingredients that are kind of keeping us in the heart of worship. Now let's go back and just for the remainder of our time here, let's go back to John 4, 23. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So we saw this incredible story that we just scratched the surface on, you know, with uh, the, the woman with the jar of perfume. Let's now go behind the scenes before she ever stepped into that, that packed house for dinner where Jesus was being hosted by Simon the Pharisee. What happened before that? And let's see what we can glean from that. So these are, these are like three thoughts on uh, true worship. Okay, number one, revelation of his love. And uh, Renee, I thought that was, that was very encouraging. Renee and I didn't get on the phone and say, so here's what I'm preaching about on Sunday. You know, but just that, that real uh, punctuation on God's love, even getting into Ephesians 3 a little bit, uh, which is what I'm going to get into in just a moment. And I love it when God confirms uh, what, what, what's, you know, being preached and, you know, really puts a, you know, an exclamation point on things. But, but here it is, church family, revelation of his love is where it all starts. It's where it all starts. Worship starts with us uh, realizing this revelation is what draws us to Christ. Uh, we, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. First uh, John 4.9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And, and this uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, have this in the New Living Translation. I just love how clear this is in this particular translation. Verses 16 to 19. By the way, this is a, a wonderful prayer that we can pray for each other. When, if you ever wonder, how do I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ? I certainly welcome you. Feel free to pray this on my way for me as well. Uh, look what it says. Paul says, I pray. So Paul is saying this. I pray this for you, Ephesian church. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's awesome. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And then here we go talking about the, the power of a revelation of God's love. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. What's going to keep us strong in him? That the roots, 
uh, that our roots go down deep into God's love. That's what's going to keep us strong in Christ. And then notice verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. So the prayer is that we would grasp and understand the, the, the depth of his love. But then he goes on and say, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Boy, that's an understatement, huh? Too great to understand fully. But if our roots go down deep in his love, we'll be strong. And then if we understand the breadth and depth of his love and we experience his love, well, what does it go on to say? Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Let's absorb what that just said. How many know God says what he means and means what he says? I can't even begin to scratch the surface on the implications of that. But the more I know his love, the more my roots go down into his love, the more I experience his love, the more complete I'll be in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Everything we need to live life in this age, right? So the love of God, as we encounter and experience his love, it's going to begin to do an incredible work. And that leads us to number two. Uh, then there's the response of our hearts. So, so here it is. This woman encountered the love of God. Like I said, man, the religious people of the day, man, you know, were, like would walk by. And how many know sometimes an expression on someone's face, that's all you need to really understand where you stand with that person, Right? You know, that expression, you know. Um, so, so, I mean, it's clear to her who she is, what her status is in society. But the response of our hearts, you know, is one of boldness, church. When we understand his love for us, the response is a boldness. And I, I just, man, God is so awesome. Here is this woman who even, you know, people living ugly, ugly lives are telling her, but I'm not like you, lady. And she encounters the love of God and she takes this jar of perfume and she walks past all of them like they don't even exist. And then she presses her way into this house of all these hoity-toity, stuffy, religious people and she falls down at Jesus' feet behind him and begins to worship and, and, and use her tears to wipe uh, and clean his feet and then pour this perfume on his feet. Church, the word of God puts it this way to us. We can, oh, sorry, dry mouth. I'm not wanting to stop talking. We can come boldly to the throne. Of, time out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Church, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to get help in time of need. That's exactly what we saw this woman do. When we understand his love for us, and that works in our heart to we, where we get rooted and grounded in that love, then we can come boldly to that throne of grace. Amen. All right, and then the last thought, and we're going to wrap up with this, then there's a revolution to our lives. You know, she, she was freed from all of her sin. She was freed from the identity that all the rest of the world gave her. The world treated her as she was living. 
Jesus treated her as who she was in God, who God designed her to be. And because of that, she was able to be pulled, ripped out of that, that lifestyle of sin and bondage and was able to walk into who God called her to be. So church, let's ask ourselves the heart of worship. The heart of worship is, is him and our eyes on him and, and, and adoring and, and loving and trusting and humbling our hearts. But then out of that comes a boldness where we can come to his throne anytime we have need and to live a life in this world where then we allow that love to start to pour out to others around us. Amen? Now there's no longer, you know, uh, a spirit of religion will start to jockey us into position. You know, well, I was here, you know, and now I'm here, now I'm here. You know, uh, staying in the love of God, there is no here and down here. Everybody is on equal footing at the cross. And Jesus died for each and every individual person, right? So, so all of a sudden that love starts pouring through us and we start getting a compassion for the world around us like we never knew. Amen? Amen? The heart of worship. So how's it going for you this morning? How is, how is the heart of worship for you today? Amen. Amen. That's what we want to, uh, as a response to this this morning, that's what we want to bring before the Lord. So, so why don't we stand together and, and let's pray about this as we close. I went to Bubaku's World Outreach Center yesterday, <clears throat> and I had more salt in that meal than I had in the last three weeks. Sorry, my throat is so dry. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This message is the center of everything in the Lord, right? heart of worship, everything else pours out of it. All the rest of our life gets watered from a place of, I will live as a worshiper, a heart of worship. So Father, as we close this service today, Lord, we just say afresh and anew that we're yours. We, even as we sang a few minutes ago, with humbled hearts, with a heart of repentance, say, Lord, forgive us for every and any place where we've just gotten it all out of sorts, where we've missed the mark, where we've put other things as objects of worship rather than you and you alone being who we worship. Lord, forgive us uh, for the times where we've gone on autopilot, where we're just singing songs, where we're not engaged in our heart, we're, we're not bringing you our adoration. Forgive us, God. Lord, we're just asking here this morning that there would be for each and every one of us a fresh revelation of your love. Lord, for some, it might be a renewing. Lord, for others, it might be a first-time encounter 
Lord, make your love real. Just as Paul prayed for the Ephesians and as believers through the generations have prayed, Lord, let it be that we would be rooted with roots that go down deep in your love. Lord, let it be that we begin to more and more grasp and understand the length and breadth and depth and height of your love. And Lord, may it be that we experience your love. Lord, where you have been showing us your love and we've just not seen it, we've been blind to it, the enemy has lied, so he's distorted what you're trying to speak to us. God, I pray here today for each and every one of us in this room, for those that are listening, watching online, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be opened to see you as you are, the God who is love, the God who loves us. Lord, I pray greater depth, greater revelation and understanding. And God, I thank you in that, that that just, that just transforms how we live. So Lord, break off all that's stale, break off all that's old. God, we ask, break off anything that's just religion, the form with no power. And may we be people that worship in spirit and in truth. God, we commit ourselves into your hands. Lord, continue to work in us through this series. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.